Welcome to System and Soul, the podcast focused on the human energy that runs your business. I'm Chris White, along with my co-host, Benj Miller. All right, you guys ready? Here we go. Jake, drop that beat. Three, two, one. System and Soul, welcome back. We're here with my friend Tyler. Tyler and I have gotten to hang out and chat a few times, and I always appreciate it because he spends his time not only with a lot of leaders, but thinking about leadership, looking at what great leaders have in common. So um, I'm excited to sit here and catch up. We'll go through his top three things that are on his mind today. But first, get to know Tyler a little bit. Tyler, uh, you're a man of... Uh, Easy accessibility. We'll share your your podcast, yep. your blog, um, you, your cohorts that you have for leaders. We'll put all that out there. But in a way of getting to know the you that is not Googleable, what's one interesting fact that we can learn about you today? Uh, it could probably everything is Googleable, right? You could find everything on Google. You probably find this. You'd have to go deep in the archives. Uh, but, uh, I won a national championship when I was in college, uh, in an activity called dairy evaluation. So I grew up on a dairy farm. I had a, a background in dairy nutrition and I competed in a contest where, uh, we had to evaluate cows and then, um, uh, put them in a specific order based upon their confirmation. I did that competed, uh, growing up, you know, 4-H FFA, all those activities competed in college. That's how I got recruited to go to Cornell University to do that in my senior year, we won the national championship. So um, a very random, not connected to anything, but absolutely connected to everything I do now. So that's interesting. I was about to say, like, that's so random, but yet <laughs> something from that had to apply, like carry over oh. because you, you spend that much time doing anything to become a national champion at anything. I assume you had competition. So yeah. there was, you know, what did you take away from that experience yeah. that applies today? Um, it, it's something what we're doing right now. Uh, so you talked about, you know, some of the content, one of the things that I've done now for, oh shoot, pushing three, four years is uh, started in our business. My wife and I partner with a network marketing company are, are working in that space. And one thing I started to do a couple of years ago was do a Facebook live just to connect with people, share information. That was critical during COVID, the pandemic as a way to sure. interact and, and stay connected. And so in the, this fall, I've created that open source. It's coffee chat is what I call it. It's on my YouTube channel. I blast it out to Facebook, LinkedIn, other places you can catch it too. And what I realized is going through the practice of doing that, it's made it easy to be on this format, looking at you and sometimes talking to the camera because I've, I've done it now for years. But going back to the dairy evaluation, dairy judging, um, when I was eight years old is when I started doing that. And one facet of that was you have to sit like we are across from each other. And you have to give reasons to a judge who has the official placings. They decided mm. what the animal should be placed. And you have to explain why you placed them the way you did. And like I said, I started doing that when I was eight. So, you know, so many kids, so many people are fearful of speaking, you know, speaking to someone else. And as sure. I've done some speaking, as I enjoy speaking, I enjoy being in front of groups. I had one person, I was backstage. I was at an event 
And I either just got done speaking or was about to, and this lady was going to go on stage and she was going to share her success. And there were several thousand people in the audience, somewhere between six and 10. I don't remember. And she was just so nervous. And I said, Hey, dude, this is easy. The hardest person to speak to is one person because no matter what, if they're not smiling, you're in pain. It's torture. You're speaking in front of thousands. And sometimes if you're on stage, you can't see past the five, first five or six because the lights are so bright. You just look at someone that's smiling. And I've held on to that and that, that ability to speak or be in that mindset and just like, hey, share from your experience. Like one of the other pieces that I've picked up just recently and talking to people about speaking and some of my good friends and uh, my mentor shared this with me. John Maxwell is one of my you know mentors. And he goes, yeah. If you're on, if you're backstage, you're about ready to present. I'll take this to, as I see in the background, your conference table, right? You're going to have a, maybe a first quarter, end of quarter meeting. Someone's going to listening to this. You're going to have a quarterly meeting. You're going to have a, just a routine meeting. And you're thinking about all the information you're going to share, right? Before you go and present to that group. It's too late for that. It's too late. The, you already know what you know. You're not going to cram in that last. It's be comfortable and connect with the people and be willing to do that because that's what matters. Yeah. And there was one time in that national championship contest, which is held in Madison, Wisconsin, every fall. It's held during the, the largest exposition of dairy cattle in North America. It's called the World Dairy Expo. And there was one event and uh, I placed a class and I did horrible. So it's you, you one to 50 is the possible scoring that you can get for a placement. And I scored a 35 out of 50, which is horrible, like bombed it, like did horrible. And I had to go give reasons on that class. And usually it's somewhere, if you do really good, you're somewhere in the high 40s. You know, 50 is, man, you did exceptional, like, oh my goodness. And usually a 50, you get a 50 when you got the class right. So you got a 50 on the planning things, you got a 50 on the reasons for a total of 100. Again, I got a 35 on this one class. And I think I ended up in my reasons, I got a 50. And I happened to talk to the judge afterwards. And I'm like, I bombed the class. And you know, yet I got a 50. And he goes, well, all the reasons you saw them were right. You saw them. You, you evaluated them properly. You just didn't place them the way we did. And, and I think back about that instance in regard to, you can have all the wrong information. But if you present it in the right way, yeah. It'll still be powerful and meaningful. And that's what sometimes matters more. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a deep correlation right there. I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, all right, Tyler, you get to sit and talk and talk leadership, spend a lot of energy there. So I'm super curious. What are the top three things that you're thinking about processing excited about right now? Yeah. You know, this is, um, as we talked about this beforehand, just kind of covering this and make sure, um, the one is psychological safety. And what's funny is, is I've seen that evolve over the last couple of years, especially, and, and seen that most recently involved. And it ties into one of my other, uh, you know, key points we're going to talk about is connecting. Um, I, I was talking to, you know, people, and this is right after, you know, we're recording this here the, towards the end of the year. This is right after some of the, the most recent layoffs happened. And, and I was talking to a few people and I said, you know what I realized about the layoffs? Whether your company laid anyone off or not, the people working there are feeling it. And they're like, oh, Mike, well, you may not have laid anyone off, but yeah. their friends got laid off. 
the people, maybe they're, they're, you know, former people that they used to work with close, you know, connections got laid off wherever they're at. And so they're sitting there thinking, Oh, am I going to get laid off? And, you know, is this going to happen to us? You know, are they going to choose to balance the books at this company because they're just going to lay people off? Cause that's sometimes what CFOs decide to do. Cause they don't care. They just want to make the numbers look good, especially, yeah. you know, where the shareholders were. And so that ties into the connecting piece. And it comes back to what I said a little bit earlier is, you already know the information, just connect with people. And, and I believe that's in the, for leaders, that's the number one thing we can do right now. And, you know, we've talked before about empathy and how important I think that is for a leader. I think the greatest place for empathy be, to be displayed in the workplace right now, where we're going, understanding we came out of this pandemic. We're not sure what this road forward looks like for so many different organizations pull back the the trench coat, put your arm around people and say, Hey, I care about you. Yeah. How are you feeling? What are you going through? Let's make sure that we're in this together and not just where there's this separation because there's tension. I don't know where we're going, dude. I don't know what the world's going to look like, but I know this. If I put my arms around people like you and a lot of other people and I keep doing what I need to be doing, I'll be fine. So I, I, I a thousand percent agree on the connecting piece and how, how much that the human part of this really, really matters. When you were talking about the psychological safety, I, I wanted to roll my eyes a little bit, not because of what you were saying, but um, it's pro like, I think I saw three different articles today about psychological safety oh, and, and I, um, I kind of thought to myself, why aren't we talking about psychological resiliency? Um, because, but, but it led to what you just said. You, you actually said what I was kind of thinking about, you know, when you put your arms around them and say, I don't know what's going to happen either. Right. That's not necessarily, that's creating the safety of the relationship, but it's not, but not the certainty of the mm -hmm. situation. Yeah. And I think that when people hear, psychological safety, they, they want their whole bubble, their whole world to be safe. And that's not the reality. Like, yeah. thank goodness we're not hunted by wolves and tigers anymore. Right. That's not the world we live in, but we're definitely not in this safe world. So like, yes, I agree. Like, uh, everybody's affected by the layoffs. We're now, we went from like, nobody got laid off for however many years to all of a sudden everybody lays them off and people are like, Oh, layoffs are a real thing. Like people that happens and mm -hmm. it could happen to me. I'm curious, like what you, when you say psychological safety and we need to be, uh, building that up, what does that look like? And what does that mean? And where's the place for psychological resiliency? Man, I, I love that you took it that way. And, um, I think that's, that's, that's a nuance that needs to be discussed and not just assumed. Meaning that just because it's not about being warm, putting this warm blanket around everyone and just like, oh, okay, everything's great. It's like, no, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. But you know what? We're in this together. And instead of us being, um, you know, the, the piece of, of safety I think comes into is even in the midst of uncertainty, I'm clear about where we're going and who we're going with. And I think as a leader, that's what's important. And that clarity builds resiliency. Hey, we're going to face some tough headwinds. Everyone is. It does. We went from 3% interest rates to now six, seven, <laughs> and 
percent interest rates. I'm sorry, that's going to create headwinds for anyone that is in any financial. If you have anything to do with money, oh, we we don't have debt. It doesn't matter. Your every company that you're working with is facing that, so they're going to have to learn how to cover that debt. Mm-hmm. You, they, they just doubled their expense on you know interest, and they're going to have to figure it out. So you're involved in that too, yeah. and. I think the the opportunity to say, hey, all right, this is how we're going to manage it. This is what we're looking at right now. We don't want to do these certain factors, but we're going to preserve the body and maybe lose a finger or two. And it's okay. We can, we're going to have to manage through that. We can regrow. It's okay. We have science. We can regrow fingers. Don't worry about it. But it's better to lose a finger than lose your entire limb. You know, that idea. And it's like being that clear that with the, tough decisions you have to make as a leader, I think it does two things. It One, it creates this, this avenue for advancing of a development of leaders. Number two is it does create that resiliency. I, I, I think what's really hard, you have kids, I have kids and, you know, I'm in the face of, you know, we're kids now and it's like, well, I want them to be tough and figured out and then also fighting, ooh, Am I making it too easy for him? And, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, and you talk about this, and it's a big part of me growing up on a farm. I, I was talking to one of my son's soccer coaches the other day, and we were just talking about kids and development, whatever. And I said, I, I, I think not sleeping had a big effect on me. So I was, you know, work till late or whatever. I was up at 5, 5.30 in the morning, pretty much every morning. I got to sleep in when I, you know, went away to camp or, you know, got to do something different. That's when I got the opportunity to sleep in. And I shared with him, I, you know, here, my sons, my kids, you know, allow them to probably sleep longer than I ever did in my life. And there's a part of me, it's like, oh, I wish they just get up and do stuff. But then there's also how much did me not sleeping actually stunt my growth, my physical growth? I, I wasn't, I grew nine inches in high school. I was pretty small to a point. So I share that because even though that toughness built in some resiliency was the toughness worth it. And I think as a leader, we're constantly trying to balance that. I need to make it tough enough that we can build resilience when we need it. But yet I don't want to overwhelm people with all the rigors of what I'm going through. And as a leader, again, if we're not sharing those moments, then we're not helping build resilient leaders when we need them to step up and take that next role. Hey leader, did you know there's 261 business days in a year? And statistically, most business leaders are balancing about that many opportunities, issues, problems, bouncing around in their head at one time. So we created the261.com. Go there, put your email in, and we're gonna organize all those things and send you one daily email that's about this long. It's gonna take you about five seconds to read, but it's gonna remind you of that thing that you need to remember, that thing you need to do or schedule as a leader to be who you want to be. Go check it out, sign up, follow along, see you there. What do you mean by share those moments when there is real risk? Like yeah, I mean, it's, to it? I, I think it, it's, it, it's the balance of, I need to tell them enough so they know what's going on, but I don't even need to tell them everything. Craig Rochelle has a, has a great way to say this is a leader needs to always tell the truth, but they don't need to tell all the truth. And I think that's really paramount in this idea of connecting in this 
you know, psychological resilience and safety is as a leader, I need to tell people what we're going through as a business here are, you know, you think about it as a SWOT analysis. This is what our strengths, these are where our weaknesses, these are where our opportunities, this is what our threats. If we say, Hey, as a leader, I'm never going to talk about our weaknesses. I'm never going to talk about our threats because that could, you know, upset people. No, I got to talk about those so they can either come up with innovative ideas or understand the decision-making that I make in the midst of understanding those weaknesses and threats actually is what helps us propel us forward. Yeah. Yeah. So that took you straight to, you jumped straight to the, the, how do we spend time connecting with our, with, as leaders, with our people? Uh, What, this is a little bit of an open-ended question, but how are you seeing great leaders do that well? Or what are some tips that come to mind for how we can do that better? You know, again, we're, we're in this place of, you know, looking back the last three years, you know, 2019 business as usual, 2020. Oh, we don't know what business is like 21. We're trying to figure it out 22. Now the end of it going into 23, it's like, well, can we ever get back to what we're doing so I can make it easy? I say that because a lot of leaders were used to proximity connection. Oh, I'm going to walk through the office. I'm going to see people as they're, you know, coming on uh, their office. We're going to, you know, have a little team meetings here or there. Well, that's changed dramatically. So what it's created is, oh, either we have an office place where I just go back to my normal cadence, but understanding there may not be, there may be people that are here all the time anymore. They may be working remote because we've accepted that hybrid, that different style. So I need to be more intentional about just saying, Hey, Benj, what's going on? Like, yeah. tell me about your family. What are you guys you know, excited about for the holidays? Those, those things that you may think, oh, it's just small talk. No, no, it's not. That's connecting. That is showing people and being genuine in it. Say, you really matter. Like, you're a pivotal part of this organization. And if I'm not being genuine in that time and, and actually remembering from our last conversation and being able to follow up timely, then I'm not leading you well. I could have all the answers from a sales, from a vision, from all of those points of view. But if I'm not having that conversation, it doesn't allow me to do the most important thing I believe besides vision, a leader or leadership group needs to be doing going forward. Yeah. And that's accountability. If I'm not able to connect with you, if I'm not willing to have those conversations to understand what you're going through, then the accountability I need to have, we need to have as an organization, wherever you're at from a performance point of view and and tying into more of that management side of things, going back to, you know, that wrestle between leadership and, and management from Drucker is if I'm not able to connect, then there's no way that I'm able to properly account for what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that's where that, that whole little space as I hold my hands here is where there's a lot of tension on leaders. Well, there's also a fear from some people that, well, we're going to go too far and we're going to be buddies and then I can't hold them accountable. And I think the, the idea in there is that you connect enough to show that you care and you genuinely do care right? That is a prerequisite to the whole thing. (laughs) Um, So once you care, you know, taking the time, showing, building those bridges. 
And it's not to be best friends. You don't have to be buddy, buddy. You just have to have a caring relationship. Uh, I, accountability was not, you threw me for a loop. That is not what I expected you say when you paused and said accountability. Um, that just kind of disagreeing. I just was like, Whoa, Oh yeah. That's not where I thought he was going. That's, that's, uh, that's a piece that again, I just happen to remember that. I think that's the big struggle. You know, we discussed the, this idea of, you know, psychological safety connecting and, you know, it's as you move forward, how do you keep the results important and not just, oh, it's all foo-foo, right? It, it comes back to that whole idea of psychological safety, resilience. Well, the only way for that to actually balance itself is if you're willing to be accountable and you're willing to be accountable as a part of connection because it's important what we're doing here. Yeah. And I think that's been this this tension because then it comes into as you move forward and an item that we discussed is how are we sharing this with people? How are we selling this with people? How are we marketing this whole thing within the organization? Because great marketing is great leadership. Great leadership is great marketing. And none of that matters if we don't have a vision and hold people to their ability to contribute ourselves and them to what we're trying to accomplish. And so it, it, and as we, as I, as I share this with you, as we're, we're thinking about it, as you're posing these things to me and I'm trying to formalize it, there's the gap in there is I know what I need to say, right? I know what I need to say to get people excited. We're getting into the new year. Yeah, let's go, you know, set new sales goals and really attack that. But you've been around enough. You've had you know performance. You're like, everyone's excited the first month. And then you start getting, you know, either we can't fulfill because of we've oversold. We can't fulfill because of, you know, um, uh, um, production. We can't fulfill because, you know, actually we didn't get it sold like we thought we were going to get sold. And so all of those factors tie into, are we going to meet our desired, you know, level of yeah. expectation, yeah. whatever our, how do we hold ourselves and others accountable to it? If I came in or, you know, think about my kids, right? The worst thing you can do is go and, you know, chastise, punish them about, you know, with consequences, but never set the expectations. Well, expectations come through a period of connecting. Let me take this a different thought. Trust me, it's all tied together though. <laughs> John Wooden, you know, he shared this, you know, in some of his, I don't know if his pyramid of success or whatever. It's like every player needs to be coached differently. Now you coach all players, you know, along the same lines, but everyone is different. And yet the same needs to happen in our workplaces. Everyone needs to be different. How do you find that out? By connecting and then deciding from that connecting, Hey, what's the accountability measure? Yeah. Right. And, and, Again, it, it's tied together here because it's like, if I'm not concerned about their safety and being willing to build their resilience, and I'm going to connect with them to understand how I can account for whatever I expect them to accomplish. Well, there's no way for me to share that vision and say, this is where we're going to go. And these are my right. expectations for you and the people in your team to get there. Yeah. And it, it's really, is, I think, tied together, is it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, in, in system and soul, that's, we have a whole, you know, model around that where we say, Hey, you know, like 
uh, if you're leading people, your, your primary job is to drive the car and, and car is an acronym for clarity, autonomy, and results. So if we can give mm -hmm. all the clarity we need, what are your resources? What are your boundaries? What are your time constraints? What are the expectations? How are we going to measure it? We give, if we can give enough clarity, then we can give them autonomy. Like we hired them for a reason. They're capable of doing their job. Yeah. Let them go do it. Let them innovate. Let them figure out ways to be more efficient. And then on the flip side, we're going to have the accountability conversation. So that's the R's results. So clarity, autonomy, and results. But the way we do that is through these conversations. So we systematically build in these little connection points along the way. And it's not necessarily accountability uh, time, you know, markers along the way. It's connection markers along the way and results conversation at the end. So I absolutely, yeah. I mean, that whole, all the tensions that you talked about, like, I think, as you were saying, going through those, that's what I think I'm yeah. there to solve when I'm working with businesses half the time is, is all yeah. of those tensions. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think the, the problem where people find the, I guess the challenge to the psychological safety is when you have the results conversations without they're ever connecting. Yeah, that's hard, right? That's hard and, because, and, it, and it's harder on that leader to tell the let's use the radical candor language. It's harder to be radical, can't radically candid if you haven't added the care element, right? If you think about their their four 100%. by four matrix, like if you don't have the reps building into the care side, then you just come off as the challenging asshole. Here, here's the the piece that I think is two of my friends that I talked to in the last couple of weeks, and they brought up this idea, and they're our age and talking about leading and one of their bigger challenges right now is leading a younger generation fortunate to you know spend some time with jason dorsey talking you know to him in his book z economy where he really profiles gen z um tim elmore's um you know new book the the new kind of diversity you know hits on that as well one of the conversations coming into this and i think people have a have a big challenge you know I'm in my forties, right? The end of Gen X, kind of this barrier between Gen X and millennial. And the way that I was held accountable was vastly different than how our world has held 23 year olds accountable. Now, when I say 23 year olds accountable, it's their parents, it's their coaches, it's their teachers, right? How they were held accountable is different than how my coaches, my parents, mm -hmm. and my teachers held me accountable. Yep. And so when we, when I discuss this with a couple of my friends, we're like, you know, it's so frustrating. They just, there, there's this, oh, we want to be soft or whatever. It's like, you got to remember, that's how they were taught in school, right? The uh, people in the workplace today are a product of their previous experiences, either other jobs or where they were educated. And we talked in this one subject, one thing, and this is accountability. And I think it's more of a, a hot topic in probably not in the, the fields that you've worked in or that you, you know, specialize in because so much of it is free source, um, you know, design, you know, it's kind of like, Hey, I don't need you to show up in office, just get it done, you know, get the job done. You're working from a computer, you're, you know, writing program, you're designing. It's more of like, okay, we can understand if you're mobile or hybrid, whatever you go into organizations that are maybe, you know, sales and I want to see a button, a desk, and that's the only way that you're doing work. And what's funny is I talked to my friend about this. I said, think about this 24 year old, right? Somebody's 24. They just got done with college. 
say even pre-COVID, okay? Say they, they were done with school before COVID. How do you think they um, went to school their last two to three years of college? What were their classes like? More than 75% of them were online. Yeah. They didn't go sit in a room and have a butt in the seat to show their work. They showed up right. online. Right. So now we have these people in the workforce and we're expecting something different. And we're saying, well, you can't work like that. You can't work remotely. You can't work and you can't accomplish, you know, via screen. It's like, I just graduated from an Ivy League <laughs> university and I didn't go to a class for two years. And I ended up with a, you know, whatever accomplishment. I think I can do it. But yet yeah. they don't have the, um, sometimes they do have the autonomy to say that. And they're like, how dare you? But it, that's the reality, man. I read an article today that was shared. It was an old article. I don't know how old it was from sometime this year, but they, um, this person was ranting about how they had to return to the office and yet they spend ha more than half their day on zoom calls at the office. And they're like, come on guys, this is, this is some nutty stuff. Hey, you, um, I want to get to your third point. Yeah, you, you already mentioned it. You brought it up and, um, you said leadership is marketing and marketing is leadership. And, I know you don't mean it like this, but it could be cringe because some people see marketing and they're like, oh, put a pretty, you know, put lipstick on the pig is what yeah. some people's version of marketing is. Yeah. So when you say that with such a strong connection between the two, what, what are you referring to? What do you mean? You, you nailed it. That's the problem. You know, if, if we have marketing that's putting lipstick on a pig, then you're selling something that's not real. If you as a leader are doing the same thing, people are going to look at you. I can't trust you because you're telling me something that's not real. So when, when I say great marketing is great leadership, the, the, the tactics of great leadership, meaning I need to make this exciting, but I got to tell the truth and I got to set proper expectations. That's great leadership. But you know what? That's great marketing. Um, I would say a, a great friend, mentor, really kind of helped me formalize this thought idea. Jeff Henderson. Jeff Henderson yeah. is a phenomenal, you know, marketer, but he also has a tremendous experience and description of leadership and what great leadership is. And as he and I, as I read his books and I talked about this and it's like, oh, that's, that's it. And I think where we get in trouble in organizations is when the same thing that happens in marketing is when I say something and I do something else, that's what gets marketers wrong all the time. Like, yeah. I promise you this product, but it never delivers. Right. Same for leaders. And so it, it really is this, it, it goes hand in hand together that if I want to be a great leader, then I really need to understand great marketing. How do I tell a story? How do I move people in that story? It comes back to the vision piece, but there's also, how do I deliver? Oh man. Now, so that is, that is, you are resonating with the heart and soul of system and soul because the, the soul is the story, the thing that we care about. And the system is the thing to make sure that we fulfill those promises. Right. Yeah. So dude, I'm totally, I'm totally resonating with you. I love that you brought that up. And I, I want to reiterate the three things that you said. It's exciting. It's truthful. And it sets the expectation. I, I like that. I like that definition as you rattled those Good. off. All right. I hey, can write is, that down. <laughs> yeah, man. Exciting, truthful, and sets the expectation. As we wrap today, I'm, I'm curious just to ask you one more question, which is 
you know, you, because you spend so much time in this world of leadership, what, as we're, as we're ending the year, um, and I don't mean like, you know, go set good goals type of thing, but if, as lots of people rethink, what do I need to change? What do I need to do? As we place our focus and priority in next year, in terms of being a great leader, where do we put our effort? Man, I, I want to tap into an area that probably was, was truly meaningful to me when I heard it. And then I really comprehended it. Set growth steps. Don't set goals. Whoa. You, you, you may have a destination in mind. That's great. Okay. I live in the complete opposite end of the country as you. Say we wanted to meet, right? We're going to meet in the middle. St. Louis is probably the middle. It could be a fun city in the summer. Not this time of year. Let's be honest. If we wanted to meet there, right? And I said, all right, Benj, we're going to meet. We're going to meet a week from now, right? Plenty of time to drive there. You could probably, if you're crazy, you could drive there straight in like a little over a day, right? But we'll give ourselves a week. And if I said, hey, we're going to meet there in a week. Great. That's where we're going. Then if we go from that, it's like, well, here's the goal. I have to be, from my point of view, I have to be in Rapid City, South Dakota the first day. And then I have to be in you know, Kansas City the next day. And the third day, I'm there in St. Louis, right? Those are hard, stringent goals. But if I said, I have to get there in a week. And if I know, as long as I make progress from Spokane, Washington, where I live, and I take whatever route to get to St. Louis, and I know I have to be there then, but I'm willing to go that path and I'm willing to grow. I'm willing to go and, and not necessarily set so hard boundaries. I could maybe spend a day at Mount Rushmore. I could maybe go and ski in Denver. I could maybe, you know, spend some time visiting people in Omaha and I'm still there. And guess what? That journey is a whole lot more worthwhile than if I just put my head down and try to blaze the trail in coming from the Northwest. This is what happens this time of year is you, I could be stuck on the I-90 freeway for three days because it's in snow. It's closed out. Same for you coming from the, you know, the Southeast. It, it, and again, that was shared to me by John Maxwell. He said, the problem with people that make goals and fixate on goals they get to the goal, they reach the finish line. They're like, I don't know what to do next. Because what happens is if I have that process of, of going from Spokane to St. Louis, and here are these steps that I took and I made progress, I get to St. Louis and like, hey, Ben, this is fun hanging out. I'm going to drive to Destin, Florida, because I've never been there, but I've had the process. I made it work. I can make it there, have all the tools in place to know I can go wherever I want to go. Yeah. And all of a sudden, if I get a flat tire, I'm not flummoxed and I don't know, oh my goodness, my world just ended. What do I do now? Because that's what happens sometimes with goals is we get so fixated. I'm going to share this piece, very personal, but it reminded me and know we're wrapping up. Um, I'm on this process, you know, the, the impact driven leader started a couple of years ago, podcast book club round table. I had the, you know, this podcast uh, team shared that we had our highest downloaded month in October. Great. Awesome. I had a practice. I've had an advisor say, don't look at the numbers. Okay. But I know this, that our numbers have actually dipped a little bit in the last two months. And as I'm making some changes, I'm trying to do some things differently as I actually, you know, putting together some workshops to, to share with more people it kind of going backwards. But I understand this, the journey is not linear. It goes up and comes back And And as I shared with one person on my team today, 
I know we've gone backwards, but we're doing all the right things. We just need to stay with it and it's okay because our long-term goal is fine. We just need to stay with it. And, and I share that because I think so often you, we, we go through the year and we have this goal and we're like, all right, it has to be linear. And if I need to close a hundred you know, percent of my quota by the end of the year and through the first month, I, you know, hit 15 and the second month I'm only at five. Oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm dead in the water. It's like, no, stay on the process. Process is good. Just stay with it. Nice. Tyler Dickerhoff, everybody. Uh, you can check out his website for all of his leadership resources. T Y L E R D I C K E R H O O F.com in the show notes as well. Dude, appreciate your wisdom, taking time. Uh, you're a great storyteller. The, the analogies, the metaphors, they come quick to you. That's a, that's a talent and a skill that I wish I had. So thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, I wish I could grow a beard like you. That's a talent and skill that I wish I had. I appreciate that. I, I really don't do. think that follows under the <laughs> talent category. It does. It does. Absolutely does. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. <laughs> <laughs>